Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Jamma here on the Pod Slam Jamma YouTube channel, or if you're listening to audio only the next day on our Spotify and Apple podcast platforms. As always, my name is Andy Anas. I am one of your co-hosts for today's episode, and we'll be talking about a lot of things, beginning with the men's basketball team who suffered their first conference loss of the season this past Sunday against Temple. We'll talk about the University of Houston football team who made some changes to their coaching staff, and of course, we'll also talk about the women's basketball team who's bit who's entered a bit of a skid following their three and oh start in conference play don't go anywhere this is pod slamma jamma here on the pod slamma jamma youtube channel yeah, high standards high goals you know we know what it takes to get there i want to be unguarded <laughs> if i'm honest coaches coach players play you know, and that's a great place to be in your life. So you can care less what other people think. Joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap. How are you doing, sir? What's up, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm trying to stay dry because in the Houston area, there's supposed to be some severe thunderstorms rolling across within the next hour, two hours, even a chance for some tornadoes. So hopefully it's not too bad. And it's supposed to get chilly after that because it's it's crazy. There's like a warm and cold front like battling each other that's causing a lot of severe winds. So hopefully it's not too bad. snow here in the next few hours. Yeah, I want. It might be the same system because I know the same system dropped a lot of snow in Oklahoma and into northern Texas. But you guys aren't here for the weather report. You're here to talk about Houston Cougars athletics. And like I said, to lead off the show, we'll start with the men's basketball team who are coming off the heels of their first conference loss of season two of the Temple Owls that actually dropped them to 18 and two overall, five six and one in conference, and they are. Uh, Heading to Orlando for a date, the second date against UCF following the home conference opener on New Year's Eve. So uh, before we get into any clips, we're going to hear from Houston Cougars junior forward Jawan Roberts after what he had to say after Monday's practice. But just any any final thoughts now that we've had two days removed from that Temple game, because I see the story of that game was just the inability for Houston to be able to score offensively. But anything else that might uh, stick out to you now that you've had some some time off from that game on Sunday? Not much, really. Just um, Houston. I don't want to say beat themselves because Temple earned that their top two players played well and they executed well. But Houston, uh, I think, will dominate Temple in the next game. And so um, uh, nothing much. Houston ready to bounce back on Against UCF, I think uh, I don't want to call it a rivalry, a school that we're used to seeing and going to see in the future as well when we go to the Big 12. So I'm excited to bounce back and see how they respond. You know, you don't want to call it a rivalry, but that, that's an interesting point that you bring up in regards to these are going to be two programs that see each other uh, a lot and often come because they're going to be heading to the Big 12 along with Cincinnati. Of course, last time that these two programs met, they gave each other. UCF gave Houston a lot of problems. And it was a, a game that came down not necessarily to a wire, but the Knights were right there with them towards the end of the game. Now, like I said, we do have post-game, post-practice footage of Houston forward Jawan Roberts. Here's what he had to say. Overall kind of takeaways of that loss to Temple. He said that he still feels like this team has another level, but when it comes to effort plays, that's been where Houston has been lacking over the course of the last week. Um, just a little slippage in our defense. Not how we used to be before. 
Um, just not playing with as much, you know, enthusiasm and much like emotion that we usually play with, and that's what happened, and it resulted in loss. So just moving forward, you know, we know what we got to do, and um, that one loss doesn't define our season, but it's just gonna help us grow and be a better team. Um, just be locked in. Um, we already knew what position we was in. Um, we gonna get everybody's best shot uh, away and at home. And uh, we just can't sink down the team's level, you know, and um, just play the score. You know, you just got to play hard every possession. And um, we're going to bounce back from this uh, this lifestyle. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but we always keep it in our back pocket, you know, for games like that. And it was a great play. Um, just shot it a little left. But we always prepare for any moment. Sure. Uh, I'm glad it happened. Um, you know, just so, like I said, you can be prepared for it. And um, every, I feel like every time, you know, we do something wrong, it's always, you know, we can always learn from it. Um, even though we lost at home, you know, it's not something to really dwell on because it's not something that's going to define our season, like I said. But just to look at our mistakes in film and um, just learn from them and just try not to make them again. But I agree. Um, I think it's going to be different playing them the second time. Um, uh, we learned from that last game. And, you know, the best thing to do is to adjust. And, um, you know, it's just always about getting better. Um, we're not getting any worse. And we just want to improve as a team, you know, defensively, um, individual matchups, and um, just play our best. You know, even if we was to lose, you know, we'd rather lose, you know, playing our hearts out and not lose, you know, being soft. He's just very aggressive. Um, and, you know, the, the toughness that he has, you know, once he starts it, you know, we, we build off that. Mm -hmm. And, um, we decided, you know, to switch because we feel like we can guard better instead of, you know, being in our pick and rolls. And um, it worked out, you know. They were scoreless for the past seven minutes. And um, but Reggie, he always impacts winning like every single time. Um, just the way he plays, you know, he doesn't back down from anybody, and it just gives us a chip on our shoulders to, you know, once he lead, we'll lead with him. Um, so we missed. They got the rebound. Uh, I don't know if we wanted the foul call, but something happened. But, you know, everybody wasn't, everybody was arguing about the call. You know, I just sticked around because I seen Hicks uh, turn his head. He wasn't really paying attention. And I'm um, just seeing the ball right in front of me. So instead of just running back, I just took it. What we see in the stats. We can definitely go to a higher level. Um, I feel like, you know, sometimes we underachieve, um, which is not good. And in the long run, it's not going to be good for us if we continue to underachieve. But we have another level to us, guaranteed. Um, we just got to ball in and just, you know, play the system. It's just the urge of want to. Like, going into the game, you know, focusing on your assignment. You know, not letting this person get off a certain amount of threes. Not letting this person go to the free throw line. That's a one thing, you know. And um, going forward, we're going to have to, you know, be better at that. You know, limiting teams to a certain amount of shots. And um, just, you know, keep doing what we've been doing and playing defense. So, once again, that was Houston Cougars junior forward, Jawan Roberts, talking about a lot of different things. But I think in particular, the one that stood out to me is towards that end of the clip when it comes to, one, he said he still feels the team has a different level, which... Dan, um, get your thoughts right. But I, I tend to agree with that. But I think it's interesting that he mentioned kind of the the effort level that's kind of been uh, not exactly what Robert said, but it's kind of been lacking over the course of the last week. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's just kind of going to the standard that was set before them on previous teams and the standard that Coach um, Samson has set there. And I think um, because I think he's saying that because we've seen guards have success, and not only that, just their team defense. But um, I think they they do have another places that they can go that they can get better and, and other levels they can reach you reach, and, including rebounding. I mean, that that's one thing that they aren't great at. They're routinely they've been great at, and I think they can do that, as well as continue to be more consistently offensively as a team. And 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 ball movement is a huge key to that. Absolutely. That's a that's a great point when you talk about rebounding because it's kind of segued leading um to our other clip from Jawan Roberts. I asked him about what he thinks about the team's rebounding, but in that clip he also talks about the recent free the foul sh- uh, Foul trouble that Johan Roberts has been in. He also talked about the free throw shooting, particularly to that game, uh, in regards to Temple, where he, and not just against Temple, but the last few games, he's been in foul trouble where it's really not allowed him to be on the floor come crunch time for the Houston Cougars. So here's what Johan Roberts had to say in that aspect. Um, sometimes I, you know, lose focus, um, not realize what's going on. You know, I get a little handsy sometimes. And um, I can't be doing that. You know, it hurts the team. Um, I know I got to be better at that, but you know, it's nothing like you know intentional or you not know, just doing the game thinking of trying to do too much. But it just sometimes I be in wrong places, wrong times, and it happens. I mean, like I, I know the value that I bring to this team, and I know you know I can do a lot to help this team. And um, just seeing myself not in the game, you know, not being in a situation, a position to help my team win, um, it kind of sucks. But it's never nothing that I'd be mad about because I have confidence, you know, in my teammates that they're going to do the right too. But, you know, just being out of the game and just knowing that, like, if I was in there, you know, I could have probably got a key rebound, you know, some. Uh, they do kind of sucks, but, you know, I'm just have to live with that. Not good at all. Um, we just, you know, just need more people, you know, going to the class. Um, but like I said, it's always something that we can get better, better at. Um, but like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a want thing. Um, you got to want to rebound. You don't, the ball is not just going to come to you. It's a competition mm-hmm. between you and the other player. So, um, it's just all about competing and wanting more than the other team. And, you know, yeah, a couple games where we got, I reminded this, uh, this year. And it's not some, you know, that Houston is, you know, based off of. So we got to get back on track. Yeah, I mean, when we watch the film, you know, we see our effort. Um, sometimes it is kind of, you know, disappoint how we play sometimes. But, you know, we got to own up to that and just be like, you know, we're not, you know, that good of a rebounding team. And we need to be, you know, if we want to, you know, do something big in the tournament or, you know, lead to other accomplishments, uh, rebounding is a big key. Um, and everybody just needs to, you know, get on board and rebound. Um, everybody on the team is a rebounder, guards and bigs. Um, and just keep hunting the glass. You know, once you get, you know, a couple offensive rebounds too, you know, that works. That works teams down. And you know, teams don't want to play against that for the second. So just getting back to the top, you know, and doing what we've been doing, you know, I feel like it's gonna help us a long way. Just say it was just one of them games. You know, you couldn't make a shot anywhere from the field. Mm-hmm. Like you just couldn't do anything right. Um, we work on free throws every day. Mm-hmm. And um, even some of our best free throw shooters miss free throws. You know, Tremont, right. Jarius, Marcus. Um, we just won them games.
So once again, Roberts talked about a lot of different things, but in particular when it comes to the rebounding component down, like you said at the before the clip, in regards to this Houston team in particular, and, and specifically when it comes to defensive rebounding, because when it comes to offensive rebound, Houston's still towards the top, not just the New American Athletic Conference, but when it comes nationally uh, to rebounding overall, in particular when it comes to offensive rebounds, but Defensive rebounding, that's been a key issue for the Cougars. They're just averaging 26, just over 26 rebounds a game. And that is 103rd nationally, which you're not used to seeing the Houston Cougars, a Calvin Sampson team that low when it comes to an area like rebounding. And you heard Roberts there in that clip. He himself said a lot of it, there's at times when they go back and watch film, they're disappointed with the effort that they see in that aspect of it. Yeah, and like he just said, that the, everybody on the team is a rebounder, and they need to have that mindset to go grab the rebounders. And one play that sticks out, as I say that, was in the game against Temple where Marcus um, went and got an offensive rebound and got a putback. I think he can do more of that, and I think the guards can rebound more. Just looking at some numbers right now, Tremont leads um, the guards in – um, offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. And actually, Marcus only has eight more defensive rebounds than Terrence, Terrence Arsenal. And Terrence hasn't played anywhere near the minutes that Marcus has. So I think Marcus can do a, a better and a conscious job of crashing the boards or going down to get tips or, or even just helping on the glass. Jamal, um, he, he's done an okay job at rebounding. He's, he has more rebounds than Marcus defensively. But um, offensively, of course, Jay Wan, he, he leads the team in offensive rebounds with 52, and Jarius is behind him with um, 45. And another thing that I think what makes this team isn't a solid rebounding team is because Reggie isn't the best rebounder. I mean, looking at it, Terrence has more rebounds than Reggie, and Reggie has played a bulk of minutes, and he's a post player. And so I think that has a thing to do with it, but he does so many other things well and impacts the game in so many different areas. The team just has to have a collective effort of everyone going to the glass, and I, I think they'll do that. Well, another thing that stood out to me in that first clip where he talked about playing down to the level of your competition, and mm -hmm. I think they've done that in a, um, a few conference games in which they got to turn it up a notch, like he meant that intensity, that focus. And like he said, in foul trouble, we kind of lose focus in regards to being conscious of how many fouls he have, how important he is, the time, possession, and what's going on in the game. And so I think this team uh, is going to have a wake-up call with their tempo, and they're going to refocus and kind of bounce back, continue to hit their stride as the season goes on. One thing when it comes to this team about rebounding, I'm curious to get your thoughts on. When you think of previous teams, I mean, going back to when I started covering them in 2019-20, there, there always seemed like there was an identity guy when it comes to rebound. And that 2019-20 team, it was Nate Hinton, which, again, from that guard position, he was a guard that um, he would hound, he just had an act for being able to be where the ball was after it came off the rim going a, a season ago of the following year when they made to the Final Four. It was kind of a, a committee approach, but obviously, of course, we knew that Justin Gorham, he was a board man, he was going to track down a lot of rebounds, but the guards could rebound good as well as Quentin Grimes and Dejan Giroux were towards the top of the team when it came to rebounding. Last year's team, it was a much more veteran team, but obviously, of course, you knew that guys like Kyler Edwards, Fabian White, Josh Carlton, they were tracking down rebounds. This year's team, Jawan Roberts has done a good job of being able to rebound, and Jarris has picked it up during the, the most recent last two weeks. I mean, that was a big part why Jarris Walker was named the freshman of the week in the American Athletic Conference, because I think, I believe he averaged 12 rebounds a game in the two games that Houston played this past week. But there's not really that one guy that on a consistent night, you know they're going to track down these rebounds. I think Tremont Marcus quietly 
if you would have to pick one, it would be him. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Outside of J1? Yes, sir. Outside of Jawan Roberts. Uh, I would say probably Jairus. Jairus goes to – he's a good rebounder, and he rebounds well. But if I had to pick a guard, then I probably would say Tremon. I think if Terrence played more minutes, he would average more rebound. I think he's proven and is, is going to prove that he's going to be an excellent rebounder from the guard position. But I would have to say Jairus and then, then Tremon because Tremon does a good job of being active, going to the rebounds. He proved that in his freshman year in, in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I think he, he probably could pick his rebounding up a little bit more, although he has outstanding effort when he – I'm going to the boards. I, I see him being active a lot, but I, I would pick those for sure. But like you said, I, it, outside of J1, it, it isn't that identity guy that's toughness because Houston normally has more than that. I know they had Nate, mm-hmm. but they also had other guys who was just equally as tough and would do things like that. And so I agree with you 100%. But I think overall it just has to be a team effort. Absolutely. And I think the, the interesting thing you, you brought up, Jarris and Jawan Roberts was asked about Jarris Walker and in terms of his rebounding he says he's done a lot to improve from where he was at the beginning of the season but he said he feels that Walker has the potential to be getting 15 16 rebounds a game in some of these outings so Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting thing to watch and like you said it's something that Walker's improved on but as the season continues not just Walker and Roberts but overall go ahead he also said that that it's a want to Mm-hmm. And I think Jairus has to make up his mind that he wants to go out and not only rebound, but physically dominate. A lot of times he's physical, especially, I mean, is um, not physical, is going finesse when he should be physical when guard, especially in the last game against Temple. It was times where the guards were on him, where the, it was done or um, the other guard was switched on him, and he would have a finesse shot instead of backing them down and getting um, a power move, You being physically, having that want to physically dominate. Not only that, if they switch on rebounds, just using his athletic ability and his physicalness that he can to go get rebounds. I think he could definitely do that, and that's something if if he stuck around with the program in years to co- for a couple more years, of course, Samson and the staff were bringing that out of him where he, he you see that on a consistent night-to-night basis. But I, I, I think he definitely has to have that one, too. And he's just so young. He's still developing it, too, that he still is mm-hmm. gaining these experiences in the game and learning who he is as a player and playing against elite competition. And so um, I think he will get there, but he definitely um, has to turn it up a notch. Oh, Jairus reminds me a lot of Quentin Grimes the first year he was here because he, he shows flashes of the the potential that he has. He shows flashes of it, but I know he had that stretch whenever they played Cincinnati, they played SMU, where it looked like he was kind of yet found the answers to it. But obviously, of course, he'd been dealing with, with the illness too. But that's what it reminds me. He'll have good stretches. And then, like you said, it, it still seems like he's finding his way, in particular when it comes to the offensive side of things, where, like you said, he has the body to be dominant, especially when it comes to, to the physical component to it. It's just a matter of being able to be consistent with it. And like you mentioned, it took Quentin towards the end of his sophomore year, his first year here in Houston, and then come the year of the final four it was a completely different person when it came to confidence and knowing what kind of was expected of him yep and i remember that first year that you referenced and he had a game early in the year against rice where houston was Mm -hmm. down he literally took over and made shot Mm -hmm. after shot hunted the basketball but then it'd be quiet spells when you wouldn't hear from him and i remember watching him i was like it was often i would watch and think like he 
it, he didn't seem as he felt that he was the best player on the floor. Then you fast yeah. forward to that next year, the final four year, in which every every game he went out there, he knew he was the guy. And like it was a totally different confidence. I, I feel like they brought that dog out there, that the heart of a line out of him. And you see what he's doing now. And I think the sky's the limit for him. But I think Jarris can could Houston could have that same effect on Jarris if he stuck around. But even in the short time that I expect for him to be here, I think as the season goes on and they continue to break down for him, be honest with one another and accept criticism and accept honest coaching, I think he can get to that level because we've seen it in spurts. But just imagine if he hit his stride um, next month or when, when March comes in, he starts to put it together like we've seen in flashes. And so still got more time, but it definitely uh, reminds me of times um, with Quinn as well. That's a good reference. Absolutely. We'll put a pin on it when it comes to men's basketball talk. They'll return to action Wednesday evening. Like I said, at the top of the segment in Orlando against UCF, that game will tip off at 6 p.m. Central Time and will be on ESPN Plus when it comes to the video aspect of it. Of course, you can listen to it in, listen to it in the Houston area on KPRC 950 AM radio. But don't go anywhere. Coming up on Pod Slam and Jamma, we'll talk about the women's basketball team. Like I said, they've entered another three game <laughs> after starting. American Athletic Conference play 3 and 0. Don't go anywhere. This is Pod Slama Jamma. Welcome back to Pod Slamma Jamma. Like I said before the break, we're going to be talking about the women's basketball team who They've strung together. They're on a three-game losing streak, but those games have come down to literally final possessions. When you combine uh, the the margin of loss in all three games, it is literally seven points. So they have been real close, really close to be sitting at 6-0 in American Athletic Conference play. But one of the biggest struggles for them has been offense, and it's something that reared its ugly head against SMU in particular this time it was towards the end of the first half and into the third quarter it was a stretch there where they had built uh, not a, a sizable cushion between them and SMU but they had a pretty decent lead and they went score they went they were really struggling on offense. It seemed like they were stuck around the 26-28 mark for a good chunk, and that allowed SMU to rally and kind of have the upper hand the rest of the way. Dan, what have you seen from the Houston Cougars women's basketball team and, and in regards to those offensive struggles? Because like we mentioned in last week's show, defensively, they are towards the top, not just in the conference, but the top of the country because they're holding opponents that teams like Nine and Nile under 60 points. It's just about being able to put the ball through the basket as, as well themselves. Yeah, and they've been doing such a good job in different areas in which they struggle. But it's kind of been the story of their season. You go through all of their games, they all lost with – well, most of their losses come within a, a, a two or three or four or five come down to the wire. And I think one thing um, that this team is still learning is how to win. Coach Sampson referenced how his team knows how to win games. I think that's something this team – doesn't just have yet and it really has come down to shot making and often if you look at their starting lineup it's really only one player that can go get um beat someone beat their defender off the dribble everything else would have to come within the confines of the system as far as ball movement or a screen or something like that and i think that that hurts them a lot because when they bring tierra off the bench then they have two players who can break down the defense and create for others or even create for themselves and have a shot maker and a shot creator and so i i think that hurts them a lot and oftentimes some of their role players just don't knock down um, 
wide open shots. And it's a make or miss game. I think against SMU, Layla really struggled with making shots. She got such a good looks and such a um, shots that you want her to take. And, it, and you, she practiced, and I know she knows she can make it. They just didn't fall. And it's a la Houston against Temple. And so for them, it, it's just kind of, I guess, stay in the course because they can put a stretch together like they did to start these three game, went on, went, start conference when they were on a three game losing streak. And then over this, this last um, stretch offensively, they just struggled. They stopped turning the ball over. Their turnovers went down, but it's just been shot-making. And I think they really rely on Tierra Young so much, particularly in the half court, because she's one of the only players that can beat her person off the dribble in an isolation situation or even on a pick-and-roll. I mean, she's uh, most of the time a matchup nightmare because she, her mid-range is so good and she can get to the rim and finish so strong. I think that's the next step for Layla is becoming a better two-point scorer. She can really shoot the three well, but I think she needs to become a better two-point scorer and that can help take her game to another level because too often, just like early in Marcus's career, when she when he wasn't making the three, he wasn't really being effective. And she's kind of like that, but she's has a talent and should become a better two-point scorer. And they really need Bria to score as well. I think that's another person who um, they need her to score consistently. Yeah, that's a great point. I see you, you brought up Tierra Young. She was one of the players that didn't have an offensive struggle against SMU. She actually had a career day with her 24 points. But I'm, I'm curious to get back to something you mentioned about Tierra Young. Right now, she's coming off the bench. She's playing starter minutes. She's playing 30-plus minutes. But when you mentioned when she's on the floor at the same time with Layla Blair, do you think she should just be a starter? What, what do you mean in terms of whenever she's on the same floor with uh, Layla Blair, sometimes that'll be a struggle because they have two players that can create on offense. No, it's not a struggle when they're on the floor together. I think it's a struggle when Tierra isn't on the floor and Layla's on the floor with um, Cam Jones, Tatiana Hill, Bria Patterson, Brittany, because none of those other fours outside of Layla can really beat their opponents off the dribble. I think Bria can do that. I've seen her do that, but that isn't her forte. Um, but she definitely has the capability to do that. So the offensive struggles because everything has to come off action to get a good look at the basket or put it in Layla's hands and going against a set defense where defense often collapse on her and force her to give up the give up the ball or take a tough shot. And so when Tierra's on the floor, I think it really makes them a better offensive team because they have two players now that not only can beat their player off the dribble, but when they do that, it often causes help and they can create open shots for Brittany, who is a, um, a knockdown standstill shooter, or Bria, who can, who can make open shots. And Tatiana, she has to be more consistent offensively when she gets her touches on the block. She affects the game and does a good job rebounding and defensively, but offensively, when she gets good looks, she she has to capitalize, but that, that's what I mean offensively. I, I like, mm. I mean, when I'm watching the games, they say Tierra prefers to come off the bench, and I reach out on mine that, like you mentioned, she's playing starter minutes, just like we've seen Temper. They're two top scorers and best players come off the bench, and if that's mm. the better for the team, then so be it. I mean, she still impacts the game. I think there's been times in this season where the team um, has gotten off to such a slow start that maybe she should have started some of those games or been inserted faster to not allow Houston to get off such a slow start. And then they're playing catch-up, playing catch-up, playing catch-up. And so it kind of has his, his um, gift and his curse. But, I mean, when she's on the floor, her and Layla, they're at their best as a team. Oh, 
one of the things you just said, a gift and a curse. Now, we know when it comes to Ron Huey, kind of an identity that he's established at Houston over the last few seasons is running that full-court press throughout the entire game. Now, it's something, it's SMU that it's one of the big reasons why just over the season, they're causing opponents to turn the ball over frequently and often. But do you think that could potentially be affecting him on offense just in terms of the players being tired when it comes to the third quarter into the fourth? Because they do have to full court press for an entire game. And that's something that catches up with you throughout the course of the game. I think it could, but I would say no, because they've done a better job of taking care of the basketball. And that's one thing they really, really struggle with. They got their turnovers down. It was in 20 and 15. Now they're down to 8, 9, 10, and that's a really good thing. And so although when you fatigue, sometimes it's your leg. So it can't play in part, but Coach Huey does an awesome job of not – Sometimes he switches into a token press where it's not so much of a full court press. We're pressing and pressing and pressing you the entire game. They may be full court, but they, it isn't a full court trap where they're scrambling. Everyone's kind of racing. If the ball gets to have it playing catch up. So sometimes it's just a token press to make you take time off the shot shot clock so to come down to a sense to just to disrupt your flow and make you execute in a short amount of time. And so they do a good job of, of switching um, that up and giving teams a different look at different presses. And so I don't, I don't think as much. I think the team's probably in well shape. I'm sure they put in a ton of work and prepare themselves. So I'm not going to give them that excuse. I think the defense only helps to age their team because they're still turning teams over at a hard margin. They still – um, they need to get more points off of those turnovers in fast break opportunities. I think that's another thing that they can do well. But offensively, I don't really think that has an impact. It could if they get fatigued, but I, I, I don't think they are. I, I got to put the work that they put in. I got to give them the credit for putting that work in and, and trust that they put it with. Mm-hmm. Up next for the Houston Cougars women's basketball team on Wednesday, they'll be playing Cincinnati. They'll be traveling up to play Cincinnati, a winless Bearcats team in conference. And then they'll wrap up their week against Tulane, who they beat earlier in the conference schedule day on any final takeaways in regards to the women's basketball team, Mary, or anything that you'll be keeping an eye on when it comes to those two games. No, I think they got to go on a three-game win streak here. They got to take care of business at Cincinnati. Then they got a tough two-lane team who's coming off a win against Tulsa, who was undefeated in conference play at home, and they already beat Tulane in New Orleans. So they got to take care of business there. And then they get a Memphis team who they can handle. So I think they got to take care of business against Cincinnati, get off the snide, come back home, and take care of business against a good two-lane team. But – I mean, no need to panic. This team can, I don't want to say easily, but as you watch them, they can definitely compete in the conference tournament to win it. I mean, you there are only a handful of good teams in this conference that you put them on the floor, you be like, dang, Houston's better than them, but why aren't they winning? It's just different little tidbits that keep them for having a successful season and winning some of these um, close games. Houston sits six and thirteen overall. They're three and three in conference. Like I said, Wednesday's game will be at Cincinnati. Houston is one and seven on the road, so it'll be a tough test for them, nonetheless. And Dayon, like you said, it is a point where it's a it's a must win game, especially in regards to where Cincinnati is towards the bottom of the conference. But at this point, and curious to get your thoughts on this, it's all about being able to continue and improve, obviously, but they have to be able to hit their stride come March because they're getting to a point where they have to win the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament to make it to 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 the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. I think they could still probably win the conference outright, but at this point, I don't know if that'll be enough to get them in the tournament. I think they have to put their full focus on continue to hit their stride and preparing for the American Athletic Conference tournament in which, like I said, they can, they can really be a favorite to win it. I think outside Florida be a favorite, but they lost to Tulsa. I think they can beat Tulsa. They're a better team than Tulsa. They can beat Tulane. They can pretty much beat anybody else in this conference on their best day. They just got to put it all together and, and they played really well last year in the American athletic conference. So I'm expecting them to, to focus in and, and continue to di- get better. I mean, because they, they have it all there. They lost so many close games. They just got to learn from their mistakes and not continue to make some of the same mistakes in games. Absolutely. And on that note, we'll transition over to our third and final segment, talking about recent coaching staff changes among the Houston Cougars football staff. Don't go anywhere. This is Pod Slamma Jamma. But before we do transition into that segment, I'd like to remind those of you that are watching on the YouTube channel or listening to us on the audio only versions, whether you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any other platform where you may be listening first. Thank you for the support. But we'd like also like to encourage you guys to subscribe to the Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel, which is the easiest way to support us. Of course, we are on the road to a thousand subscribers. We just passed the 65% mark. We have over, last time I checked, over 650 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Of course, our main goal is a thousand because once we hit that magic number, we can begin to monetize off UH content like this when it comes to the Pod Slamma Jamma podcast and just continue us continuing to support us covering the Houston Cougars, especially as they transition into the Big 12. And of course, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Instagram and TikTok. It's Let's Rage Cougs. No any added marks. It's literally all lowercase, just Let's Rage Cougs. And of course, on Twitter, at Pod Slamma Jamma, like you see it on the name of this podcast. It's P A W D S L A M A J A M A. And of course, if you are interested in being a sponsor of the Pod Slamma Jamma podcast or the Let's Reach Cooks post game show, which we do after each and every Houston Cougars football and men's basketball game, just be sure to reach out to us via email at Let's Rage Cooks. Email let's reach cooks at gmail.com. Once again, that's let's reach cooks at gmail.com. Without further ado, we'll get into our third and final segment for today's episode of Pod Slamma Jamma. And it's coming off of some news and notes across the Houston Cougars football team. This news broke on Monday. I saw footballscoop.com be the first outlet to report it. Credit to Zach Barnett with footballscoop.com. But he reported that Brandon Jones will not return as the Houston Cougars offensive line coach for the 2023 season, which of course, as we know, is going to be the first year of the football team in the Big 12, not Jones was a hire that followed Dana Hoverson when he first left West Virginia for this job here over with the Houston Cougars. Now, when it comes to the offensive line position, I'm reading through some stuff on the footballscoop.com. In 2022, according to the footballscoop.com article, Houston was rated as the top pass blocking team in the American Athletic Conference through ratings from pro football focus. Of course, we know the story of the Houston Cougars football team. They were 12 and Two in 2021, and a big reason for that was how they were able to establish the run game with Alton McCaskill in that 2021 season that had him in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. And of course, they overall, when it came to 2022, 
fell a bit in, re- in particular when it came to run blocking their time, especially early on in the season when the team struggled to set, establish their own game, which was something that Dana Holverson wanted to do early on in the season, particularly when it comes to the offensive line group. One of the other issues for them this season came when it comes to penalties. And again, early on, it was it's kind of a, a break in the season, but throughout the first five games, that was one of the biggest issues with Houston when they're beholding penalties, false starts, and something that... No, it's interesting, especially when this move is made. It came, like I said, it was first reported on Monday, January 23rd, which a bit of an interesting time to make a coaching staff change down. Your initial reaction said Houston's going to be moving in a different direction when it comes to the offensive line coach for the 2023 season. Surprised. Um, I read the article and it talked about him being one of the highest paid assistants. And at you time. gotta, mm-hmm. yeah, at the time, and you gotta wonder um, him having that Big Twelve experience, played at Texas Tech and coached at West Virginia. Um, what what brought about the move? Because I know you just said with well, us watching the offensive line, they really developed well. And the end of the season is one of the strengths. Clayton Tune had plenty of time to make mm-hmm. throws down the field. So I'm not at times the the running game struggle, but I don't know if that's the offensive line issue. Maybe it's some of the runs that you caught because we had good running backs. And so I I, I don't want. It's an interesting, interesting, interesting. I wonder if. Who they'll replace them, um, and what they what they'll do. But uh, to me, it wasn't um, a scenario where he was just doing a bad job or the offensive line has struggled. He had the offensive line recently drafted um, in the first round. Well, no, he was in the second or third round. Paul of Arizona, and he helped him develop. And had the left tackle has kind of been a staple. And I think the um, one we have now will probably get drafted. And so it's an interesting, interesting move there. Um, but We'll see how it plays out. I think the timing of it, it's probably the thing that, that kind of, it's intriguing. I'm sure more news will come out as the days continue to move on. But in particular, when it comes to that position, that position, it's, a, it's such an important one in regards to heading into the Big 12, like we talked about during our last episode, when you're going up against a top talent in the trenches, because especially with a team that like the Houston Cougars, that's, going to have a new quarterback regardless of who's calling plays, whether it be Donovan Smith, uh, Lucas Coley, or heck, anyone else. And you think that those two are the, the front runners. Uh, one thing that's really going to help whoever's calling plays is going to be to have a solid offensive line group, which, Dan, like you said, especially when it came to pass protection, was one towards the top in the country, especially in the American Athletic Conference. But overall, and with Alton McCaskill coming back, it'll be interesting to see what new face is in charge of that direction. Now, one of the things that I've Saw across, of course, this is getting into speculation from when the news broke, but some people, and this, this isn't reports, but this is just much more fan speculating, said it could potentially be when it came to not being able to get those high recruits, which to me, I don't put too much stock into that being the reason why they would have to move, especially like you said, they've done a really good job at being able to develop up front when it comes to the old line, because really outside of 2019 and 20, when Hogerson first and his staff first took over, they've, they've been able to put together two strong seasons. Yeah, and I don't know about the recruiting because you look at some of the recruiting transfers. They recruit the transfers. Got one from Texas who played um, and developed really well this season. And so I don't know if the recruiting is a play to act. Probably could. I'm not sure. I don't think that's so because they've 
um, they recruited well, whether it's transfer or even out of high school. So I, I wouldn't say, but it's a, it's an interesting timing, like you said. I, I think that that's a uh, one thing that stick out because it's like it's odd in the middle of the time, middle of the, um, spring. Spring ball hasn't even started yet, and they're on a recruiting trail. And so we'll see. And like you said, as news continues, as days go on what more news to come out and what moves they'll make. But I think offensively, most of the players that they have are returning. Um, if I'm not mistaken, all of them, right? Maybe it was Jack Freeman senior. Uh, he's coming back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you'll have your, your offensive line coming back that intact. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, in regard in regards to other Houston Cougars news, and specifically when it comes to transfers today on Tuesday, January twenty fourth, they're recording this as the report. Really, he posted it on his social media account that former Oklahoma linebacker is going to be transferring over to Houston. That linebacker is David, I'm a butcher his last name, Ugwegbu, who was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's obviously transferring from Oklahoma Sooners, and he's going to be joining Houston in their first year to the Big 12. Now, when it comes to what he was able to do for the Sooners through his career at Oklahoma, he played 36 total games. He had 208 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and four sex and according to mark berman from fox 26 houston which is the local fox affiliate here in the city even though he played inside linebacker for the sooners in oklahoma he's going to be coming to houston to play up front in the defensive line which is going to be an interesting thing from that standpoint our day like you mentioned in regards to what Houston has been able to do well under Dana Holgerson has been those transfer recruits from other schools after they get a taste of power five from other programs. They've done something they've continued to do well this offseason is continue to get more talent from other schools. And David, just another name along that list. Yeah, but they also got a transfer from Ole Miss, who was going to play along that defensive line. He played defensive end. I think he's going to have two years of eligibility left. And so uh, I'm excited to see that. And so they continue to rack up the defensive transfers, and I'm sure Doug Belk is um, recruiting and doing a great job of recruiting and getting some of these players to come in. And and like some of them are saying, it's, it's kind of a fresh start for a team looking to prove themselves in a new conference. So you can kind of rebuild your name in it especially the defense, particularly the defensive line, they have an identity. They have recent success to build off of. So I think it's a it's a um, a good recruiting tool to be like, you see the, the defensive line, if we put out into the NFL, you, you see the recognition and how they've been able to produce and coaching and how we've been able to develop them. And so some of these defensive players coming, going to the Big 12, big, still big-time football, I want to see um, if they can stand out, if they can make their name in a cooler uniform. Brian Early gets a lot or deserves a lot of the credit when it comes to what they've been able to do along the defensive line as well. They get a lot of he deserves a lot of credit because you can kind of see the support that he has from the current players that he has coaching. And every time, not only when it comes to what they were to do on the field, but even some players that have transferred out of Houston, Brian Early has at times even gone on social media and given them a shout out and said that this player will be a good fit at any other program. And he, and he kind of highlights them, which is not something that you see from coaches often, especially from players that are leaving the program, but that's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on. Now in regards to Houston Cougars football, they did. Before we go on into that defensive end that I referenced, his name is Brandon Mack. That's transferring from Ole Miss, Brandon Mack. Mm-hmm. 
in, in regards to Houston Cougars football recruiting news, they had a lot of players that were inside the Fertitta Center for Houston's game against Temple, and Daniel Horson and staff were there with uh, a lot of different players. And again, it's an interesting thing to note when it comes to how they're using the men's basketball team to be able to help recruit. And again, that's kind of like the vision that they're selling as they go into the Big 12. That's what they're trying to get at when it comes to the level that the Houston Cougars men's basketball team has established. So as, like you mentioned, we're still not close to spring ball yet, but as Houston transition over closer to February and into March, we'll keep you updated with more news that breaks. And it'll be interesting to see who Houston chooses to fill that new position as they have vacancy for the offensive line coaching position. When it comes to us here on Pots Time at JAMA, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Dayon, I'll toss it over to you. Where can people find you and any other last takeaways that you'd like to add about any of the teams for the Houston Cougars athletics? You can find me like it shows on the screen or if you're not be watching um, on our YouTube channel, it's at Dayon Dunlap. That's at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. I think like the football team is rightfully so using the momentum that the basketball team has set the standard to help um, build their program and be like, come be a part of something that's going to be special, how special the basketball program is. So, I like that. I like the unity between all sporting programs. It's track season. I expect a Speed City to continue their moniker of um, being successful on the track under Carl Lewis leadership. And so it's a good time to be a Cougar, man. It's basketball season. I'm fully focused on the basketball as we near February and March. I'm ready to roll. Once again, my name is Andy Onis. You can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Be sure to support the show by hitting the subscribe button and following us on social media at Let's Reach Cougs on Instagram and TikTok and at Potslamajama on Twitter. Of course, be sure to check out the Let's Reach Cougs postgame show streaming live after Houston and UCF on the Houston Rob Bar Review YouTube channel on Wednesday night. And of course, we'll be back Saturday afternoon following the men's basketball team's game against Cincinnati. For Dayon Dunlap, that's going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. Dayan, I'll toss it over to you for the final word. It's going to end an episode of Pod Slamma Jamma. We work so much, and he's kind of getting confused. Excuse me there. But it's only one way to end the podcast, oh, baby. Oops. Go cool. <laughs>